0: Welcome to the Autoimmune Wellness Podcast, a complimentary resource for those on the road to recovery. I'm Mickey Trescott, a nutritional therapy practitioner living well with autoimmune disease in Oregon. I've got both Hashimoto's and celiac disease. And I'm Angie Alt, a certified health coach and nutritional
1: therapy consultant, also living well with autoimmune disease in Maryland. I have endometriosis, lichen sclerosis, and celiac disease. After recovering our health by combining the best of conventional medicine with effective and natural dietary and lifestyle interventions, Mickey and I started blogging at autoimmune-paleo.com, where our
0: collective mission
1: is seeking wellness and building community.
0: This podcast is sponsored by the Autoimmune Wellness Handbook, our co-authored guide to living well with chronic illness. We saw the need for a comprehensive resource that goes beyond nutrition to connect savvy patients just like you to the resources they need to achieve vibrant health. Through the use of self-assessments, checklists, handy guides, and templates, you get to experience the joy of discovery, finding out which areas to prioritize on your healing journey. Pick up a copy wherever books are sold. A quick disclaimer, the content in this podcast is intended as
1: general information only and is not to be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. On to the podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back to Autoimmune Wellness Podcast Season 2. This is Angie, and today I'm interviewing Stacy Smith of Viridus Wellness LLC. She is a fellow nutritional therapy consultant um, and an Instagrammer extraordinaire. If you are not following her, um, Viridus Wellness, um, Viridus Wellness, excuse me, on Instagram, you should definitely pop in there. She shares beautiful, very informative posts on the daily. Uh, she's a much better Instagrammer than I am. Uh, we have gotten a lot of feedback that you guys find it helpful to hear from folks who have taken on the healing journey in real life. So today, we're going to be sharing a little bit of Stacy's story. Um, thank you, Stacy, for joining us from the Midwest. Are you ready to get started?
2: I am. Hey, Angie, how's it going today?
1: Uh, It is going pretty good. There's always uh, way too much to do in life, but I am managing it somehow. (laughs) So true. So um, let's just jump right in. You know, um, I think it's always good for folks to kind of tell their diagnosis story and to kind of share what that part of the journey was like. So You know, one of our first questions that we always ask people was, what was the first symptom you noticed of your autoimmune disease? What was the first thing that popped up that made you go, hmm, I better investigate this? Something's
2: that right? Yeah. Yeah. In my case, that would be hearkening all the way back to 1998. And when I moved to the Midwest from California, my first symptom was definitely severe fatigue. And that's the one that I'm still working on today, many years later. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah, there should be like um, a totally different word to describe fatigue when it's autoimmune fatigue. It's on a whole other level.
2: Absolutely. So that should be, you know, the word that we make up this year.
1: Right. (laughs) The the word of (laughs) 2017.
2: That's right. That's right. So yes, I went from um, being very healthy, very active, at age 20 to completely debilitated, couldn't get out of bed. And, uh, you know, that, that was definitely tough at the time. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, how long did it take from noticing that first symptom, that really extreme fatigue until you got an actual diagnosis?
2: You know, I still don't have a diagnosis to this day. So, I would say that that level of fatigue waxed and waned Um, Between 1998 and 2013, I would call that my silent autoimmunity um, period, which was quite long. And in 2013, I had this constellation of events happen in my life all at the same time. I switched jobs. I was working 80 hours a week at a very fast-paced finance firm. I had um, someone in my family with whom I was close pass away. I had some issues in my relationship. I was training to compete in fitness. So I would say I really kind of pulled the trigger on the autoimmunity at that time became very ill. I saw three different rheumatologists at the time. And one told me, you definitely have lupus. One said, you absolutely do not have lupus. And another said, you have undifferentiated connective tissue disease, which will probably turn into lupus. So, uh, you know, with lupus, as with many autoimmune diseases, it's, it's obviously very common to take an extraordinary long time to reach a diagnosis and to receive conflicting information along the way. So just the past month, I have been seeking out additional information, decided I was going to find a new rheumatologist, interviewed several, and was told again, by one, you definitely have lupus. By the second one, you definitely do not have lupus. By the third one, you may or may not have lupus, but you may have an unusual presentation of some other things, such as ankylosing spondylitis or psoriasis or psoriatic arthritis and uh, a couple of other possibilities. So long story short, couple of decades in, still no diagnosis.
1: Yeah, this is this is a really hard one for us. And part of the reason that um, I chose to interview you today, because I really wanted to share with the audience, um, which I know there are many of them out there just like you, um, that sometimes um, getting a diagnosis is a very long journey, very protracted journey for a lot of us. Um, and sometimes we're, we're starting the work of healing before we're even 100% sure what we're dealing with. Um, for some of us, that may never come. And you're a really great example of somebody who's like persevering um, despite not having that information yet.
2: Right. One of the, I would almost say it's a benefit of the autoimmune situation is that there are certain things, even if you don't have a diagnosis, there are certain commonalities, quite a few of them, that can yield improvement for almost everyone and and diet specifically AIP in this case has been extraordinarily helpful for me so even though I don't have a diagnosis I have a suspected diagnosis of lupus which may or may not be the case there are still things that I can do to improve my situation and that's what I've been focusing on while also trying to figure out exactly what it is going on with me.
1: So one of the questions that we often ask folks, you know, is about their experience coping with the disease and how they felt um when they were diagnosed. Obviously, you don't have that piece of the story, but how do you feel not having that diagnosis?
2: Well, you know, I felt like I had that diagnosis, honestly. I spent several years identifying as part of the lupus community. And I still do to a large point. Um, you know, that first doctor that I saw is the one that I stuck with. And, and to quote him, he said that I, my presentation was very likely to develop into the type of lupus where your kidneys are involved and that I should expect to pass away from kidney disease. So, you know, that was very clear cut to me, um, regardless of what the other said. And, and that was going from being a very healthy person with having no, um, I certainly hadn't accepted that whatever was going on with me would possibly be life threatening because it had been going on for 15 years. Honestly, my thought was whatever's going on with me is not life-threatening or I wouldn't still be here 15 years later. So for him to tell me that was honestly devastating. I, I would say that at the time, I did not cope very well with my diagnosis. And it was one of those things that really took hitting rock bottom and, you know, starting to pull yourself out over an extended period of time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, you know, not every autoimmune disease that's out there is quite so aggressive or necessarily life-threatening. Certainly, it diminishes quality of life, but there are some that are really aggressive and it's scary to to face a diagnosis like that. I can certainly understand that uh, initially trying to cope with um, being told that this might be what's happening must have been really tough.
2: Yes, and he didn't have any doubt in his mind in the way that he portrayed it. Um, and my doubt has come since then with the more information that I gather and the more educated I become and the more that I advocate for myself, I question whether or not that's really what's going on or if it isn't something more unusual. So regardless, it certainly has impacted my quality of life. Um, but at this point, the wondering what is going on is, is driving me a little bit crazy. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm putting a lot of energy into trying to get that answer, um, while at the same time trying to cultivate an acceptance that I may never actually achieve that. Right, right. Um,
1: tell us about how your friends and family have handled uh, your your walk with chronic illness, whatever whatever we're, we're working with here. Have they been a source of support and strength for you?
2: You know, I found, honestly, that most of my friends did not understand what was happening at all. And I found that the most useful thing that I could do was actually create new friendships with a different kind of people who got it. So I would encourage anyone who's finding that they don't have the level of support that they need to be successful in their journey, in their life as it sits now, to consider releasing some of those relationships and building new and better ones.
1: That's the one such good person, advice.
2: <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> that, that's such good advice. You know, it's hard. You, you want people to accept you as you are, but at some point, if they don't, then you know what? That's on them, and just let it go and and create a new community of people who is supportive. Because I think that, as you know very well, connection is a critical piece of of being able to manage your your autoimmunity. So, luckily, I did have someone in my life who was very understanding and supportive, and is to this day. And and that is my boyfriend. He has been with me from the beginning and uh, really unshakable in his support. I was a very different person when we met with very different capabilities than I am now. And he just won't quit. And on the days that I feel like quitting, he won't let me quit. So I'm very thankful for him. He's been a blessing. Oh, that's great.
1: That's great to have that one rock solid supporter. That's my husband too. So let's backtrack a little bit. When you first learned that what you could possibly be dealing with, and we realize this is like an ongoing investigation for you, but when you first learned that what you could be dealing with was an autoimmune disease, what did you think about autoimmune disease? Was that something that you knew about prior? Or was it like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that these existed?
2: Well, during the period from when I first Let's say got sick to when I had a quote-unquote diagnosis in 2013. I had been to what felt like every doctor on the planet, every specialty, trying to get to the bottom of this, and I had been told that based on my, you know, very vague symptom of fatigue and my family history, that it was probably some form of autoimmune disease, which was not, um, you know, rearing its ugly head to the point where it was observable with typical labs yet. So I was somewhat prepared. I thought at the time, my mother has a wide variety of autoimmune diseases, unfortunately, and so do many of the women in my family. So I knew that it was possible, but what I didn't do, unfortunately, that I would like to encourage anyone who maybe doesn't have a diagnosis yet and has this really precious window in which to do something is to take to educate yourself now and take preemptive steps before something happens. So, you know, I I had like an early tip and I didn't utilize it, which is spilled milk now. But I really I wish that I had known now what I did then is or um, I wish that I had known then what I do now. Excuse me. As many of us do. Uh, Because I did have sort of a wasted opportunity there to do something about it. So I kind of knew it was coming, but didn't really understand how it worked. My family had only ever used conventional medical treatment and had more of a conventional thought process as to what autoimmune disease was.
1: Mm-hmm. So it was like making that leap. Maybe it was uh, too early in your journey to know you should have made it. But I, I think all of us uh, who who chose other routes initially wish we could go back and, uh, you know, put some of this diet and lifestyle stuff in place
2: sooner. Right, right. Exactly. Uh, because traditional medicine is so much more focused on, we're going to wait until you are severely ill before we try and put a Band-Aid on it. You know, there. I really didn't receive a message of, hey, this is what you can do now. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I like to try to educate others on today, hoping that maybe someone, someone out there will hear the message and and take the opportunity if it's presented to them.
1: Right, right. So in that initial, uh, initial healthcare experience, so it sounds like you know, uh, at first maybe you didn't really react uh one way or the other but then uh you may have started out trying to follow some conventional routes to to yeah dealing with the problem so there were obviously some doctors along the way and folks you are (laughs) still probably working with how did you find your best and most helpful doctor this is such a, a tough one for those of us in the autoimmune community to find doctors that are really great people to have on our team so how did you find your best and most helpful doctor
2: You know, I would say that I'm still doing that now. I have um, had a difficult relationship with most of the physicians who were on my team. I am just, my goal for Q1 has been, of this year, has been to find a new rheumatology relationship. And I think I found her. I spent a lot of time interviewing and I found someone with whom I'm really comfortable But it took a lot of advocacy on my part and going in, you know, within the attitude of I'm interviewing you, I'm looking for the right partner for me and being willing to walk away from numerous people who were recommended to me but didn't feel right to me. So the individual that I chose, whom I've only seen twice, um, she did come from a recommendation, which is something I think is a great place to start. But this particular recommendation came from within the AI community, which I found was – I mean, our AI community, you know, looking at more natural treatments and and holistic approach versus conventional approach. So that was a great place to start. And then um, I had heard that she actually recommended dietary and and supplements – and as opposed to going straight to pharmaceuticals right off the bat. So that was a great sign. And um, when I met with her, the thing that really stood out to her is no one else spent the amount of time with me that she did. She wrote out all of my symptoms and created on paper a list of what her various theories were for what was going on with me and everything that we would need to do to rule in or out each one and then made sure that I had a copy of it so that I understood what was going on and I was fully involved in the process. So what I would say to people who are trying to find the right relationship is that you have to be your best advocate, that you have to devote time and energy to finding that relationship, that it is absolutely worth it and not to quit if you feel discouraged or you haven't found it yet.
1: Such great advice. It can be tough, right, when we invest the time into, you know, getting to know these doctors and trying to start um, a a relationship with them and then it doesn't turn out to work. It can be hard to muster the energy to move on to the next one. But it sounds like you've been just totally dogged in your approach there. So that's awesome.
2: It is definitely... um requires energy. But, you know, what was the point of going back to the person who told me that diet had nothing to do with autoimmune disease and every time I saw him told me to, you know, expect that I would die of kidney failure? There really was no point. We had completely different views on what was going on as well as how to handle it. And there was no partnership there. So it was sort of scary to let go of the person through whom I was able to monitor my antibodies every quarter. But sometimes you just have to trust in the universe that if you let go of some things that are holding you back, you will have room to invite the things that you need into your life.
1: Right. That's such a great way to look at that. Yeah. Um, You know, obviously what you're describing here is really looking for somebody that you can collaborate with, uh, something that, you know, Mickey and I are really focused on um, with autoimmune wellness, um, learning the skill of collaborating with your healthcare team. Do you feel like your skills in that area have grown as a result of trying to manage your
2: condition? Absolutely. Uh, I have told all of these doctors that I, I am the quarterback here. (laughs) And some of them appreciate that and some of them don't. But in the beginning, I had a very, I would say, traditional experience. And then I thought not to take anything away from the training and the level of knowledge that physicians have at all. But that doesn't mean that you have to blindly follow everything that they tell you or or accept everything that they tell you without question or without investigation or without, you know, trying to get your own education. And that's where I started from, you know, the the position of, well, whatever they tell me, they're a doctor. It's, that's the way that it is. Mm-hmm. And now I have a very different, very different stance on it. I'm a huge advocate for patient education and partnerships. So um, I would say that that's one of the gifts that this has Given me is learning to be, you know, much stronger in the way that I approach my medical relationships than before.
1: Right, right. I think um, most of us in the journey eventually get there. So uh, you, you see that we have to take that empowered stance if we want to, you know, achieve some some wellness, yes, better quality of life. So kind of moving on to, uh, you know, treatment and how you've, um, approached this. Do you remember what the first active step was that you took towards managing your condition? Like the first step that you took that you felt like I am really, uh, at the
2: head of this thing. The first step that I took was, well, when they told me I had lupus, they sent me home with a prescription for Plaquenil which is a pretty standard lupus medication. I went and filled it, started taking it, had a horrible reaction. They then wrote me a script for prednisone. I was dutiful, went to the pharmacy, filled it, started taking it, had a different but equally horrible reaction. They then basically told me, you know, your I know your lifestyle is significantly hindered, but you're Organs show that they're functioning sufficiently on your labs, which means we can't justify giving you the next level of medication so even though you can't work and you can't walk and you can't do your sports and you can't and you can't and you can't, we're sending you home. Just stay in bed until it gets worse when it gets worse, come back to us and you know we'll give you a Dmart or chemotherapy or or uh, any of the other more significant options which they had to medically justify. So I tried conventional treatment first, and feeling like it failed me is, is why I started seeking other solutions.
1: Mm-hmm, hmm So maybe that first active step was going like, these aren't working for me, now I have to choose something
2: else. right. I hit rock bottom, and that was um, the summer before I met you, Angie, when I spent a few months in bed, and honestly, I was feeling really sorry for myself. I felt like, you know, I had had to walk away from my career in finance, which I spent my whole, wor- my whole life working for, and all of my sports, which were very important to me, um, and I literally couldn't even walk, and my understanding was that the medical community said, there's nothing we can do for you now. So the first thing that I did after spending a few months feeling sorry for myself um, really was decide that no one was going to fix this, but me that I had to take charge for myself, that I was not just going to sit there and waste away. And that if there was a way I was going to find it and I was going to do it and You know, to heck with what anybody else said. So I started researching. That became my new full-time job. And I found the connection between diet and autoimmune disease. And the first thing I tried was vegan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had uh, actually been vegetarian for most of my 20s, which I say vegetarian, but really it was more (laughs) crapitarian. One of those kind of vegetarians. (laughs) Crapitarian. I love it. (laughs) For sure. Um, So I went vegan. And I felt, honestly, horrible. I felt just absolutely horrible. And I now understand why. But that was sort of my gateway to food as medicine as a possibility.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And after that is when I found AIP. And choosing AIP was really the first thing that I, that I did that made a positive impact in my health. changed my life, honestly, not just my health, but it changed the entire course of my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean,
1: you're not, I don't think it's too unusual to have folks kind of find their way into the AIP community, um, through the door of vegetarianism or veganism. You know, they, that is their first step in, in the direction that, that diet, um, can help impact their healing, um, and maybe, it, maybe it, it opens the door, but it doesn't kind of get them where they need to be. And then that's kind right. of how they get here. So that's, I think, um, you know, something that a lot of our listeners will really um, relate to. Um, uh, so obviously, that that's how you discovered the autoimmune protocol, and that it could um, impact your healing. Was it difficult to adopt AIP? Or did you just jump right in?
2: You know, I was an overnight kind of person I've always had that type of attitude and I've been on um, you know comp- fitness competition diets which are very difficult in the past so I'm not a stranger to doing hard things with food um, and I'm also sort of a a zero to 60. <laughs> individual and in pretty much everything that I do. So I didn't find it that hard, to be honest, the, you know, the, the logistics of it were hard, but emotionally, it wasn't, it, it wasn't that difficult for me, which I don't want to um, portray that as that it's not extremely difficult for most people. It just for me was wasn't that wasn't that bad. Thankfully,
1: Great. Yeah, that's I I was kind of in the same spot as you. I think, you know, there's, there's all kinds of different, um, you know, approaches to to getting in there and doing it. And for some folks, it comes, you know,
2: a little more easily than others. Was there? Oh, go ahead. I think it also depends on how sick you are. Yeah. You know, for me, I was at my absolute rock bottom in my life. And felt like there was no one to help me and nothing else to try. And, and desperation can be a great motivator. Yeah. You know, it can make you do some things you didn't think you could do. Yeah. So of course. Um, it certainly worked that way for me.
1: Yeah, I totally relate. See, I was in the same exact spot. I thought um, I cannot have one more anaphylaxis style reaction and end up right. in the emergency room. I have to do something right now. <laughs> right. Um Was there any one aspect of the dietary change that really stood out to you as making the greatest impact? Like, uh, did you find that uh, particular food eliminations really had an impact? Did you find that certain uh, nutrient-dense additions were the impact? You know, what what stood out to you there?
2: I would say two things. Um, Going from vegan, which was very high grains, to grain-free I felt tremendously better, and my inflammation was um, enormously improved. Within 60 days, I I knew that this was working for me. But within a few weeks, I could literally walk again, which was obviously huge. Um, But the, the one that I think, the portion that I think has been most significant in my recovery is actually the introduction of healthy fats, because I spent... 10 years on, after the crapitarian period, I was in the, you know, low-fat, no-fat fitness diet period for a long time with periods of overtraining and underfeeding for competition goals, and there was no fat in there anywhere, ever. So, now, understanding the downstream impact from that, um, I think that getting over my fat phobia, which honestly took actually going to school with the Nutritional Therapy Association and doing a lot of research (laughs) to really truly understand um, that everything I thought I knew was actually wrong. Um, But getting over my fat phobia and incorporating healthy fats into my diet and seeing how much better I felt and then also understanding, you know, it was helping to balance my hormones and my inflammation and, and everything else was really monumental for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. The, the information we get, uh, in nutritional therapy, uh, education about fat is just, um, it's awesome. Rock solid stuff to understand right there. Um, so we, we know obviously that the autoimmune protocol is not just about diet. There's also a lifestyle component, um, that, you know, often takes a little more time to implement, but it's, can be equally important. Um, so first of all, did you make any changes to your lifestyle uh, following getting sick? Um, you know, things like um, career changes, living arrangements, it sounds like earlier you kind of mentioned there were career changes. And then going forward, um, has there been any one area of, of lifestyle that's really impacted your healing journey, like, uh, you know, managing sleep better, or stress better, things like that?
2: You know, I made sort of an involuntary lifestyle change when I first was very ill in 2013 and had to leave my job but in hindsight which that was something that I was you know very upset over at the time but in hindsight I can tell you with every certainty that I would have done that anyway that that needed to happen anyway and I'm happy to not be in that situation anymore where I'm working 80 hours a week and and this stress level was ridiculous and you're regularly answering emails to clients at two or three in the morning. So that change had already happened, but it's more that I embraced that that change was good and necessary rather than holding this pain you know, in my heart attached to that change. So really, I focused... Solely on diet for a long time. And as you know, I've been on AIP full elimination for quite a while now. And I didn't start looking at the lifestyle aspects until I had been on it for a really long time and felt like, okay, I've done probably the majority of what I can do with food. For me, in my particular case, It's not going to solve everything for me. So what's next? Then I started attacking the lifestyle aspects or investigating them one at a time, really delving into them one at a time. Um, And that shift has been huge for me. In my case, I feel like this is all a lesson to me to deal with all of the things that I have never dealt with in my life. And I feel like, my one of my roadblocks is working through that, right? The only way out is through
1: Mm -hmm.
2: all the things that I have not wanted to go through in my life. I'm embracing them all now. And that's where I'm seeing positive changes. For me, I think a lot of this is um, related to adrenal health. So stress management and sleep hygiene are still two of my biggest challenges. I have periods where I have those, um, a lot of self-care practices in place that really improve how I feel on a day-to-day basis. And then I have periods where I sort of, you know, lose control of those things temporarily and I definitely feel worse. So I would say, you know, for for those listeners who lead a very hectic life and sort of have a driver type A personality where you, you can never quit what you're doing, you know, where relaxation is a dirty word, I would challenge them to really embrace the lifestyle aspects as well as the diet because I I feel like we're going for holistic health and it is more than just food. I feel like the food is required, but you, you are going to have a much harder time getting there if you don't look at the lifestyle aspects, especially stress and sleep if you have a, a driver type of personality.
1: Yeah, it can be really hard to come to terms with that um, if you're you're that kind of personality, but tackling it in the end probably pays pretty big dividends.
2: Yes, it's the things that we don't want. I don't care if it's food or lifestyle. It's the things that we don't want that we need the most. Yeah, yeah. You know? (laughs) It's true. <laughs> it's... So whether you're talking about organ meats or you're talking about, you know, going to counseling, it's the stuff you don't want that you you really have to dig into to be whole and to be healthy.
1: Yep, so true. It's totally true. Um, so let's talk about the ebb and flow of disease a little bit because we know autoimmune disease is not just like this, uh, you know, perfectly straight line, pretty predictable thing, uh, anything but predictable. There's definitely a, a bit of a roller coaster with, with it. Um, what do you think uh, has been maybe a particularly low point for you in the disease experience? And, you know, on positive side, what's been a really high point where you either felt really great, or you felt really empowered about what you were doing to heal?
2: Uh, Definitely my lowest point was the summer that I spent in bed, you know, kind of playing my tiny violin for myself, feeling like there was nothing that I could do, and being physically unable to walk, where shortly prior to, I was very involved in cycling and weightlifting and all of the activities that I loved. And to me, one of my best memories was walking into the hotel at the Nutritional Therapy Association workshop weekend after I had been on AIP for a few months and having them just, you know, look at me with curiosity and confusion because I had booked a handicap accessible room and asked for a wheelchair when I made my reservations. And just being able to walk in there like everybody else, I had a giant smile on my face and I was pretty proud of myself and I knew that they weren't going to understand and I was kind of excited about that (laughs) so I had a a great conversation with the lady that I'd been working with the whole time to make those handicap accessible arrangements and you know she gave me a hug and it it felt really great honestly and that was all because of AIP.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can
2: say uh,
1: for the listeners, you know, I I met you for the first time face to face. I had known you um, kind of online and seen your presence there, but I met you for the first time face to face uh, at our workshop weekend. And um, I honestly wouldn't have known that you had made such a big recovery from the summer before if you had not told me you you were clearly on the right path with what you were doing.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah, it, it was. Um, so it was great to be able to go and interact with peers and to sort of be a part of society again.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, how would you describe your present? Where Where are you at in terms of wellness right now? We kind of got a little bit of a, a sneak peek earlier in our conversation about where you're at right now, but tell us some more about that.
2: So right now, I am excited to say that my gut is in pretty good shape, that I can tell you that AIP works because, um, you know, I got some testing back recently, and my functional medicine doctor was was like, "Wow, I've not seen anyone with autoimmune disease whose gut looks this great. So <laughs> that's what a year and a half on AIP full elimination can do for you. Um, I do have a little bit of unresolved, SIBO that I have to decide, you know, how I'm going to handle. I don't have any GI symptoms at all. So, you know, knowing that most of the time, in my opinion, you have to treat SIBO with antibiotics and also that my gut is in pretty darn good shape, I need to make a decision about how I'm going to move forward with that. What I'm trying to do right now is track down the cause of my other symptoms the the one thing that has not resolved enough for me is the fatigue which was my original symptom so with the diet i'm able to be you know functional in life again but not nearly to the capacity that i was and not far enough for what i'm looking for my fatigue is still my limiting factor i also have a couple of um Injuries which from a minor bike accident which have not healed in two years, which are causing me some significant issues in my daily life, in which I had been told by my prior medical providers were all unrelated incidents. And my gut kept saying, I don't think so. I think this is systemic. I think there's a reason why this normally heals in most people in X number of months. And for me, all three of these things have been happening for two years. And this latest rheumatologist is of agreement with me that the, the orthopedic things that I'm experiencing are really part of the disease process. So i um, trying to get a handle on exactly what's going on with my diagnosis um, so that I can resolve the orthopedic issues as well as improve my level of fatigue is kind of where I'm at. I'm also really looking at other underlying factors now, Um, trying to see if there's anything else going on. You know, I know my adrenals are involved. I know I have low-level hydrogen variety SIBO. I'm sort of chasing some more unusual um, possibilities at the moment, like metals or lime or... Or I know that MTHFR is a an issue for me. So I'm really at the point because I haven't fully resolved um, back to the level of functionality that I need that I'm, I'm chasing all the leads that I can right now, one at a time.
1: Yeah, you're kind of investigating all those um, remaining threads that could be yes. preventing progress and trying yep. to really fine tune.
2: Yep. So, it, you know, it could be one thing. It could be a combination of a lot of things for me. My case has always been very complex. Mm-hmm. So I just am not going to quit until I figure it out.
1: I mean, if this episode isn't like uh, sounding like empowerment to you guys, I, I don't know what empowerment is. Listen to this lady. <laughs> she's, she's following it all the way to the end. Um, all the way. That's right. <laughs> Stacey, do you have any helpful tips or takeaways for anyone beginning their autoimmune healing journey? You're well in, you're kind of really in the the weeds now at this point. But what do you what would you say to people that are just at the beginning?
2: You know, what I want them to know is that this is something that they can take on themselves. That if they feel like they don't have help from the medical community yet, they haven't found the right relationship yet, if someone tells them there's nothing they can do, I want them to know there's something that they can do. Um, You know, all is not lost. All is not hopeless. You do have the power to create positive changes in your life yourself. And I also want them to understand that listening to your body and being prepared to make long-term lifestyle adjustments to support your health. Is critical. I spent the majority of my life doing everything I could to not listen to my body. <laughs> you know, I was very much in the pain is weakness leaving the body camp, and that is such a disservice on so many levels. Um, now I really seek to listen to my body on every level, physically, emotionally, and otherwise. And for those of you who maybe aren't quite in tune yet with what your body is trying to tell you, um, whether you're talking about food, exercise, lifestyle, what have you, I would really encourage you to, whether you're journaling or um, through meditation or, or any avenue that you find useful, I would really encourage you to try to learn to listen to your body instead of to, to silence it.
1: Such good advice. That's just such good advice. Something we we talk about a lot in Sad to AIP and Six. Uh, Stacey yes. is a coach with me in that program. Um, and this is something we really try to help people learn over the course of six weeks, how to, how to listen um, to their bodies and gain that skill. Um, Stacy, thank you so much. This was a great interview. I think our listeners are really going to enjoy hearing about your experience. There's so much to relate to there. Um, and you've been a wealth of information about how to approach it. If people want to keep up with you, where can they, where can they do this? How can they do this? How
2: can they connect with you? It's been great to be here, Angie. So thank you for having me. Um, Anyone who wants to connect with me, you can find me at viridiswellness.com, and that's V-I-R-I-D-I-S. Viridis is Latin for green, and Angie knows that nature is one of my true passions, so that's where that comes from. Um, as you said, I also coach with you on SAD to AIP and Six. so anyone who wants to investigate that excellent program, our paths might cross there. And I have a really fun project in the works with my partner, Kelsey Albers, from Ignite Nourish Thrive called The Autoimmune Athlete. You can find us on theautoimmuneathlete.com as well as in our private Facebook group by the same name. Awesome. Thanks so much. You've got so much cooking. Love it. Um, lots of things in the air lots of good fun stuff coming
1: right right uh we are wishing you so much success uh as you continue to navigate the autoimmune wellness journey stacy i know there's a lot going on for you but it sounds like you are well on your way um we will be back next time everybody with a QA episode take care everyone joining us on this episode of the autoimmune wellness podcast
0: we're honored to have you as a listener and we hope that you've gained some useful information you can learn more about the topic we explored today it's covered in detail in our book the autoimmune wellness handbook along with handy self-assessments checklists and other useful resources to put your plan into action pick up a copy today if you enjoyed the podcast please leave us a review in itunes as this helps others find us You can also connect with us through our blog autoimmune-paleo.com and with the community by using the hashtag autoimmunewellness.